High Vibe Nation is live. Welcome to the High Vibe Nation, where we have set out to raise the vibration of every human being on the planet. Your hosts on this journey are Sherry Gideons and Pamela Aubrey. So let's join them now in their current interview with a high vibing individual. Hello and welcome to the High Vibe Nation, the number one positive media show focused on raising the vibe of the planet, a space for you to remember the power within you. It's a love revolution. I'm your host, Sherry Gideons, and this is my co-host, Pamela Aubrey. Welcome, everyone. Such a joy to be with you and a joy to have our special guest, Jonathan Goldhill, a masterful business coach and personal growth strategist who specializes in guiding next generation entrepreneurs and leaders in family businesses who want to disrupt the status quo as they scale their business. Jonathan left New York for California at age 20 after his family's large, privately held men's apparel manufacturing company, started by his great grandfather, sold to a conglomerate in its third generation of family ownership. Within 10 years, Jonathan had established himself as the go-to expert for entrepreneurs looking to find their version of freedom. Today, Jonathan brings 30 years of experience to his work coaching, consulting, training, financing, and guiding entrepreneurial and family businesses. Welcome to the show, Jonathan. Thank okay. you very much. Thank you very much. I'm thinking maybe I should wear my high vibe glasses. Yes. <laughs> but they're meant, meant for outdoors. They're a little they're bit spectacular. <laughs> Yes, they they're definitely high vibe for sure. Totally. All right, how's everyone doing today on a Monday before Election Day? Are we ready? We're ready. Well, yeah, of course, right? Uh, all right, yeah, there's no choice, right? That's right, exactly. So, you know, it's really amazing what our energy uh, brings to the people that we work with, the people that we communicate with, right? It's, I mean, if the High Vibe Nation is about influencing and motivating and like energizing people, it, it can't be understated. Like that's really important that, you know, as like I'm a business coach and so that's what I need to bring. And I'm now an author and a podcaster. You got to bring that energy to people and, and light them up because that's, that's what, like everyone wants to be touched, right? And yeah, so if you can't do it with a smile, then do it with your words. If you can't do it with your words, do it with your, you know, I don't know, your energy, something. So. Yeah, exactly. Well, and so as you know, that's what we love to talk about here. Tell us what it means to you to be high vibe. Well, it doesn't mean to be like stoned. It <laughs> means to be like bringing energy to a, as a force to whatever it is that you're focused or working on. So for me, it's about, uh, vibing people and it's about like energizing people right so the coach the sports coach the 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 business coach has to bring has to be the most excited person in the room and uh, or you know you could also be the chillest so i'll just take a look at you know the recent coach of the los angeles dodgers right dave roberts he's a very chill kind of individual i think but People have res are respecting him. And I just heard that he's like the third most winning 
baseball coach in the history of baseball. And so he doesn't throw chairs at people like some basketball coaches that are famous do. He doesn't choke uh, his players to get them to motivate him like that. He brings like just a compassion and energy, like a thoughtfulness, a caring. And like when you're a leader, you'll you leave no one behind. You take everyone with you and you take them on the journey. And I think that's what high vibing is about. It's about bringing that energy and that A game, you know, and it, it doesn't look like it doesn't, ha again, it doesn't have to look like rah, rah, you know, like, you know, the total energizer bunny, but it, it's just, it's an intensity. It's a focus. It's a caring. It's, so that's what it means to me, I guess. And I'm what just riffing. What a beautiful answer. What a beautiful answer because that, I mean, you very much summed it up. I mean, we hold a space for that energy and for that A game, that A part of ourself that has always been within us. And so much of it is unconscious in us because of the modeled behaviors and the conditioned ways of being that we have been taught to believe is our reality. And so now we're coming into a time and a space where we realize we can be our best, we can be ourselves. And that really leads me into this conversation with you today, which we're very enthused to be part of because you really bring forward from what I've read in your bio and who you're about, you bring forward the, the generations of family and then bringing you know, this whole business leadership and this whole business perspective you know, to the A game in a way that from what I can read about you sounds really fun. It is. So I've been coaching, consulting, training and financing businesses, as we were talking before this call start for 30 plus years. And I've worked with a really wide variety of businesses, a wide variety of industries, a wide variety of people. And what I've done with this book is I've kind of tied all it, all of it together with my knowledge, and I focused on a particular um, type of a of a reader or a business owner that I really could relate to, and that is a next generation leader in a family business because my family built a very large, very successful company, and I would have been in the fourth generation of that business, but they sold it. And because there really wasn't that level of interest to keep it going. And it would have had to gone through some major changes. It was an apparel, like a men's suit manufacturing business. So they would have had to take all the manufacturing and moved it overseas. They would have had to lot, make lots of changes, which, you know, for those of you who own a business, you have to probably look at changing your business every three to five years. First of all, if you're growing at, let's say 20% a year, then your business is doubling every three and a half years. So it's changing by that nature. But, but the world around us is also changing. And so we need to adapt to that. And so this was a chance for me to reach out to family businesses who want to maintain a legacy, something that maybe their founder or the, an earlier generation built and know that they needed to disrupt what the current status quo is because what got them here isn't going to get them there there's going to be a new playbook there's going to be technology that was never used before there's social media that never existed before there's you know our products and services have to get upgraded our processes have to get upgraded and maybe even the business model has to change so ladies i'm here to tell you that if you're not you're not growing then you're you're dying basically 
So that was a long, long answer, but hopefully a thoughtful one. It was very yeah, great. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of people are kind of in that position right now where they're trying to figure out how to take their business to that next level, especially given all the changes that we've had to make. What are some of the kind of key tools that you've been able to give people through this period? So let's just start with some basics, right? Something that we all know, but don't take advantage of. So we're, many of us, either sheltering in place, working from home, in a lockdown, some variation of this. And we have to manage our energy. We have to manage our enthusiasm. Like it is really easy through the political climate that we're dealing with right now where things are very fractured. It's very easy to lose your way. It's very easy to feel anxiety and to get depressed or, you know, you feel disconnected. You no longer have conversations at the office or at the workplace around the water cooler. So it's really difficult. So the first thing I think is most important, and I, I speak from experience, which is that I know I have to have a strong morning routine that carries me through the day. And whatever that is for you, what, for me, it's, it's a combination of yoga and cycling or spinning and meditation and eating right and doing all those things. But uh, <laughs> I like no. Bill's comment. Jonathan's always too. been a mystery to me. But so you have to have those, that first, that energy, and you have to bring that level of, of enthusiasm, excitement, um, and you have to be extroverted. You have to bring that to the people that you're connecting with when you're on these Zoom calls, because otherwise, you know, your day is going to be really, you know, lonely for a lot of people. Okay. And I look, I don't have any young children in the house anymore. So I don't know how challenging, I can only imagine how challenging it must be to have to juggle kids who are supposed to be in school and getting work done and putting food on the table and getting groceries. I mean, this is a huge challenge. And like moms, dads, you know, people who are taking care of, of older people, like they're to be celebrated right now because they're, they're our heroes along with our first responders and and stuff like, and people like that. But so that's just the first and foremost thing is, you know, we used to talk in terms of time management, but it's, you know, it's really, and I talk about this in my book, it's more about priority management and energy management. First, you have to have the energy so that you can have an effective day, effective week, you know, effective month, a quarter, a plan. And then you have to schedule your time to manage your priorities and put, you know, make sure you're getting what we call the big rocks done and focused on first. So this is, this takes quite a bit of organization and discipline. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people are a little more self-managing today because you don't have a boss who's walking by and looking at your work. Well, what are you working on or what are you doing or, you know? And so I have found that with my clients, that our huddles, our check-ins, our weekly meetings, our one-on-ones, they're more effective because there's more focus right now. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think, uh, yeah, ask me. I'm well, stopping. I mean, I'm just loving where this conversation is going because what I'm hearing from you really is that you've tapped into you and yes. you're realizing 
what part of you you want to bring forward to the world and what you want to help the world tap into in themselves. And I think really that's an assessment of what's going on in this time is, is that, you know, we're all be, being called at some level to find out who we are on the inside and what brings us more joy, what brings us more compassion, forgiveness, and to focus more on what we really want instead of what we don't want. And so I, I think about the, the, the name of your book, Disruptive Successor. Where did that come from? And, you know, start us out with, you know, what you outlined in it. And you can hear okay. the dog in the background. I can. So, uh, you know, I didn't think about it when I was working with my publisher to come up with the title. Because, uh, but I think that I've been somewhat of a disruptor in my world. Um, I didn't have a father that was in my life. Uh, I, I had several father figures by the time I was 16. My dad died when um, I was two of a massive coronary. And I had a couple of stepfathers, one who also passed very young when I was eight and a half. And then from nine to 16, I had a stepdad who was brilliant and was arguably a role model, but it wasn't the direction that I was gonna go in. And so I think from the time I was 16, I really had to blaze my own path. And so when my publisher helped me come up with this the title, because my original working title was a title that Marshall Goldsmith already had, which was what got you here won't get you there. And because my thought was, if you're gonna disrupt the family business and you're a next generation leader, then what you need to do is you need to have a new playbook, a new framework, a roadmap, a set of tools that your father maybe or founder just didn't play by at all. So my publisher really helped me come up with the title. It resonated with me because I felt like I'm somewhat of a disruptor. Um, I didn't get a chance to be a successor in a family business, but had I been, I would have used these tools and this framework to, to grow the business. And so the first piece in the framework is that you have to get really clear on your purpose and that's your why. Mm. Like, what is your why? Why are you doing this? You could be in any business, why this business? And, you know, this was a family business, so maybe it was handed to you or it was, it was offered to you as a platform. That's a good reason. But if the founder's purpose was just to put food on the table and support the family, well, and if you want to make this something bigger, because really, if it's going to support your family, maybe you have a sibling who's also in the business, if you're going to support them, then it's definitely going to have to be bigger. And so you're gonna, your why is going to have to be different. It's not about just feeding now several families. It's got to be something that in today's era taps into what the employees what your customers, your stakeholders, your shareholders, you know, what everyone wants, what's going to move people. And we, you know, the book Start With Why is uh, a great book around this whole subject written by Simon Sinek. You have to be clear on what your purpose is. Mm -hmm. And once you get your purpose and get clear on it, it will be a culture building type of activity and it will motivate and move people. So that's the, that's the first piece. And then I, I can go through the other pieces. I don't want to go into too much depth, um, but I'm happy to, you know, walk through the other six P's in my framework. I think that's fantastic. And I would love for you to do that because as you were talking, I was just thinking how much your story actually kind of sounds like my son's story. 
And, you know, he's he's at this place, he's in his early 20s trying to figure out, you know, he really wants to start his own business again. He's had a couple. And um, but, you know, it's like there's that there's that that pull to go get a job and just have that income and then that pull to figure out what what am I really going to love and what do I really want to do long term and, and how do I really build a, a business and a career and that's what he wants most and so for people who are out there and they're in that position I think that's a lot of people right now you know I would love for you to go in deeper on some of these points and elaborate on how they can use these to then move into that next phase sure so I think that uh so the next p in the in the seven piece framework is planning. And so if I were talking to my 20 year old, I would say um, son or, or daughter, like have a good plan before you launch. Because if you're an entrepreneur or if you're just a small business person or you're a solopreneur, but if you're gonna do it on your own, make sure you have a plan. Don't just go off half cock. Don't just launch into something and then realize, well, that didn't work so well. So think it through. And by plan, I mean, you can't go too far out. Some people, I've met some young people who have 25-year plans. They have lifetime goals. Phenomenal. They're the one percenters. Then there's those who have 10 and 15-year. They're the two percenters. Then, you know, there's the three-year. Maybe those are the five percenters. But the one per, the the ten percenters are probably who have a one year plan, and you could also have a ninety day plan. So having a plan with uh, benchmarks or goals along the way that you're going to hit, um, super important and will be really helpful because now you'll know what success, what failure looks like, and it's just the thinking through that that uh, helps to knock down obstacles and get to the next uh, place. So if you're starting a business or you have an existing business, the planning is a critical component to it. The, the next piece is what are your products? What are your services? Um, are they unique? Are they different? Different? How are they different? How are you positioning your products or services to be different from what else at whatever else is out there? And, you know, being able to answer questions like, what is the unique pain or frustration of my customers that my product or service solves? And how do I uniquely solve it? We don't want to be just another me too product or a me too service. So we've got to think through our positioning. And sometimes it's just the way we present it that makes it different. And it's the way people experience it maybe that makes it different. So that's super important. The next piece ladies is that you need to have the right people. Jim Collins talked about this, about having the right people on your bus. Um, he talked about this in his book. I believe it was Built to Last, but it might have been, um, I think it was Built to Last. So you have to have the right people on the bus and they have to be in the right seats, which means you have to have people who share the core values and believe in what you believe. So they share the culture that you are trying to create and they're highly productive people. So we want the right people in the right seats. We want them doing the right things. And then we wanna make sure they're focused on their priorities, which is the next P. What are the things that are gonna really move the business forward in the next 90 days, in the next year? So being focused on your priorities. Now to build value in the business, we have to make sure that there are standard processes that everyone can follow 
and that people will do it the same way over and over again. And when you build a business that's process dependent and system dependent, then you build a more valuable, more sellable business. And then finally, you measure your performance. And that's measured obviously by financial statements, but it's also measured by customer feedback, by employee feedback, and it's measured by your return on your investment in this business. So that's my seven P's framework, and that's how it all ties together. And literally any person can start in any place on that. You don't have to do a linear. I've got it as kind of a circle. You know, you start somewhere, but you know, you you start thinking through it, you plan through it, you act, you evaluate, and you you keep moving through it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I love that. I want to take a moment to recognize our audience members and just thank every single one of you for being here. We love your we love your conversations and your interaction with Jonathan. Uh, we want to thank you for sharing this out with all of your social media platforms because it helps to get Jonathan's message out there and the High Vibe Nation because that's what our mission is. Our mission is to bring you in to that greater, grander expression of yourself with the experts that we share live online weekly. And um, Eden has a question here or has a comment. She says, but you have to decide to be the right person first so you would have the right people. What are oh, your wow. On that? I think that's beautiful and brilliant, Eden. And I've uh, never said it in quite those words, but yeah. You, we talked earlier about bringing your A game, bringing your energy. So you have to be the right person. And so first of all, you have to make sure you're in the right entrepreneurial business. And like, this is a business that's worthy. My professor used to call it like a worthy opponent. Like it's, it's worthy of your time, your energy, your intellectual capabilities. So you have to be also in the right seat. So too often we see, or I see business owners who have great visions, but they're not very good at executing stuff. They're not good at the day-to-day -day detail and, and they've always got the latest idea and the greatest idea. Or they're people who are too much of a perfectionist and they're focused on being really good at their technical strengths, but without focusing on the bigger picture. And I see more of that in small business people because they're small business people because they think small and they're not thinking big. And so you have to make sure that you have a good set of complementary people around you and that you're you're clear about the seat that you're in. So, for instance, supposing that you're in the consulting, training, teaching, coaching business, maybe like we're in um, or podcasting or whatever, you have to ask yourself, like, what's the best thing that I bring to this? Is it my creativity? Is it my ingenuity? Is it my innovation? Is it that I'm, you know, I enable other people? Um, what is your working genius that you bring to this particular position? And then surround yourself with people who have other abilities that match yours and complement yours. So mm. now I saw well, someone. Yeah, go ahead, Sherry. No, that's Pam. I think that's so helpful because I think, you know, people sometimes it's like they have a passion or they have something they love, but they don't necessarily know what their working genius is. So how do we start to sort of figure out what would make sense for me to do as a business? 
So I'm pretty big on assessments and figuring out like what spot you're in. And I've done a lot of assessments myself. I've just seen two recent ones this past week. I sat in on Gino Wickman's um, E-Leap, which is the entrepreneurial leap. And he created a, an assessment for whether you're an entrepreneur. And he said, like, if you don't score a 90 or above, then you're probably not, or you're probably going to experience some pain as an entrepreneur. So I'll give a shout out to uh, Gino Wickman, the founder of uh, EOS, for creating the E-Leap. Now, I also sat in on Pat Lencioni's webinar. And Pat is the author of many leadership fables. The most famous one is probably the five dysfunctions of a team. And he's come up with a new one, which is called What is Your Working Genius? And it has the acronym of Widget. And I, while I don't know that I totally buy into what his you know, what the different six working genius elements, the W, the I, the D, the G, the E, the T. Um, I thought it was very interesting. And I think, you know, I think you use as many of these as you can. I've been using probably the one of the most popular ones, which is DISC. And I'm familiar with Myers-Briggs. I've done that on myself many years ago. And I use DISC with all of my clients. I think that's really good for, for building teams and for knowing yourself. There's the Colby index. I mean, there's literally dozens upon dozens of assessments. And I don't think we can ever know like too uh, much about ourselves. So I think that's one place is, you know, grab as many of these things as possible and really get clear about what your strength is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's so much truth to that because I can see myself as, you know, as far as my leadership habits go, is I definitely see myself as being a disruptive entrepreneur simply because of my personality and my life's experience. I mean, I've had a very, very broad life experience from major adversity to major success, you know, to, to totally stepping back from the world and getting to know myself even, even better. And so many of the things that you've been talking about make me think about the focus that Pam and I are developing right now on really taking the high vibe nation to the next level and all of the, the pieces of the big mind map. But if I'm really being honest, I'm, I'm a huge visionary but Pam is the one that keeps me focused and keeps me going. Well, you, you developed this, yeah, well, that's great that you've developed this complement with each other. So uh, I loved the days when I had a company and I had other people and we, I mean, we were first getting going at one point, there were three of us, we were all named John, but we had very different skills and I am more classically a number two person a chief operating officer type, a general manager, a COO, all of my professional jobs, positions with entrepreneur companies were always as a number two guy. And I don't make a great number one. I've just, although I've been on my own now for 20 years, so I've had to be number one and number two. And it's harder for me. Um, but it would be really hard probably to find someone who complimented me uh, and was a good match for what I'm doing, but it's good, you know, for you to have complementary skills, you know, whatever, whatever you want to call it, a visionary and an, you know, an, an executor, a, a detail person, 
So well, she's I, a visionary too. We're both visionaries, but, but she seems more able to handle the, you know, let me reel Sherry in and get her focused, you know, and, yeah. and I appreciate that. And I'm learning more and more about that side of her genius that I very much appreciate. Well, and if she can say, look, Sherry, those were 10 really solid ideas you had this past week, but we're going to just do these two and I'm going to focus on this one and I'll have it done in the next, you know, 30 days. And the second one will roll out, you know, in the next 90 days. And that's the kind of discipline that one person can bring to the other. Mm -hmm. And so look for that compliment, um, folks, if you you know, if you're really strong in one area, your working genius is innovation and creation. Find someone who's good at execution and, and you know, enablement or something like that. I mean, so I'm a natural team builder. That's my disc profile. I'm a supporter relator. So it's always worked really well for me to be like what I call a CEO whisperer. So Love Let's that. see what Eden, Eden said. I connect well because I'm friendly with people around me and I use that as my strength in my business. Connection is cool. Good connections, of course. Yes. Yeah, so I was in business with a guy who was a connector. That's what he was totally. Professionally, he was um, a connector. And uh, Robert's right. Nothing great was ever created alone. When he needed a guy like me who could integrate and his ideas and his vision and who would say no to certain stuff because he wanted to do too much and it was unrealistic. So, yeah, I mean, if like Robert to Robert's point, you know, Microsoft, uh, um, Bill Gates had his like Steve Ballmer, um, you know, uh, Steve Jobs had his Johnny Ivy. Uh, you know, each person has their second. I don't know who uh, Jeff Bezos has as a second, but. You need that. You need someone to balance that. So, well, and at what point do you, you know, make that transition? At what point do you start to say, okay, I, I'm not going to be able to do it all myself? <laughs> I've got to bring at least one person in. Kind of as soon as you hit the wall or the ceiling. And so I make my clients go through an exercise, which for years I've called the vital few and trivial many. And it, it starts to hone in on what are your unique abilities. And what are the things that, you know, it's the 80-20 principle. What are those 80 things or, or 20 things that you're doing that you're good at, but someone could do 80% or, you know, as well, or could do reasonably well and start to find someone who compliments you and can do that and use these tools like DISC or like Myers-Briggs to find someone who's your complement and whom you can also get along well with because, right, we're not all the same. We don't all think the way we, you know, we think, I think I think a certain way and everyone should think that same way, but that's not the way it works. And, you know, our, the wise ones know that people are different and to surround yourself with complementary skills. So it's, it's as soon as you hit that wall, as soon as you hit that ceiling. And for some businesses, you know, like you could build a million dollar company and not hit that wall. Mm. Most, most of them, I find the wheels start falling off around then because they're, they're busy trying to do everything themselves, mm -hmm. but it, it could happen a lot sooner also. Well, and another thing that, another thought that comes up is I did a course with uh, Gay Hendricks. He wrote the book, The Big Leap, and he talks about the zones of genius and the zones of confidence, incompetence. And he says that really the ideal place to be is you living in your own genius 
and building a team where the team their zone of genius are your zones of excellence and your zones of confidence and incompetence. And it's from that space that you really get to be you, the real you. And that's where more of when we talk about energy and the vibration of energy, that's where we more begin to understand, you know, wow, it really feels good being in this place. Wow, I get to experience more joy. And well, let me look a little bit deeper into this idea of happiness and, and I feel like so much of that you've learned in your own life's experience, because I keep hearing that coming through and, you know, very much what you're sharing with our audience. Well, I think, uh, so I'm not familiar with Gay's uh, book or work, but I, I know of him and, and I know people he coaches and I totally agree. We have to figure out what is, you know, what are we unconsciously competent at hmm. that, uh, you know, when I was a kid growing up, I used to be a competitive tennis player. And one of the things that I remember with people used to say, like, oh, my God, like I was just playing out of my mind. And, you know, or a guy would say, like, I just I was I just played so out of my mind. And it's because you're in your zone. Mm. You know, um, there's a famous author whose name I'll probably butcher, McKaylee, uh, um he talks about the flow, the being in the flow state. Uh, he's a professor, was a professor out at uh, Claremont, and uh, he has a Czechoslovakian last name. I think it's complicated to pronounce. But he talks about being in that flow state and that unconscious competence. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that's a really good exercise that coaches do with their clients is they use something that is what's called the Johari window, which is to look at your, it's to figure out where your blind spots are. You know, there's the things that you know that you know, and uh, there's the things that you don't know that you, you know, that you know. And they, and those are the things, the things that you don't know, but you know that you don't know. Those are the blind spots that you can work on that really become powerful. Um, and so, you know, part of that requires a humility also, mm -hmm. because if you, you can't approach learning anything if you don't have humility. You've got to recognize that, you know, I think it was T. Harvecker. I heard him say in a workshop, he goes, I know that are the three most dangerous words in the English language. Right. So because it, sh it shuts off all learning. So the, the Johari window, figure out, like, what are the things that you know that you know? So I know and you know that I have brownish black hair and I'm wearing glasses like that's that's right. And you and you know, and I know that I'm a business coach, but. You know, you might not know certain things that are private about me that I don't share. And then there's the things that are private about me and are private to me. And that's the area that can be dangerous. So well, complicated and I stuff. That, I think that's so helpful because how can you really go about getting better and growing and improving if you don't know what you don't know? And you it doesn't you don't have the opportunity to learn and grow without that. So I, I think that's great. And thank you for sharing that tool with everyone. I know I'm going to look yeah. that up. As soon totally. As <laughs> and, and here's a quote that uh, is really good. It comes from John Wooden. And it was one of the first things I learned when I became a business coach. And I flipped from being a consultant to a coach. And it was it was on the back of uh, my business cards on my tagline. It, it's what you learn after you know it all that counts. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, what a great, what a great thought that there's more that, you know, you don't know it all maybe, and that there's something more to learn or you think you know it all and there's more to learn. And I, that's again, approaching stuff with approaching life and situations and problems with humility. And I, here's where I think, by the way, it's most important. And that's in our judging and evaluating of people or situations. So, you know, you have an employee who maybe didn't show up to work or came in late or consistently is doing it. And like, rather than just making a judgment, like, well, I know that he knows that 8.30 is the start time and, you know, he's not coming into work on time. So obviously, you know, he doesn't care about this job. But, you know, maybe he's got a situation at home with a loved one that he's caring for. Or maybe he has some other situations with a car or problems or something else that gets in the way. Or maybe that's just not a good start time. I mean, so let's approach situations with a, uh, an openness and a, uh, an inquiring mind rather than a discerning and judging and, you know, pre-evaluating mind. Mm-hmm. I love that. And, and, you know, it, what comes into play for me so much about what you're sharing too, is it sounds like a lot of habits. And, and so it's developing habits. It's like anything else. I mean, I talk a lot in my own coaching about the habit of brushing our teeth and we brush our teeth because we know that it serves us. And so what would be your method to developing habits of good entrepreneurship and good leadership and able maybe to reach you know, this idea of what we really want faster and quicker? Wow, that's a really loaded question. And I use that habit of brushing teeth too. Do you? Because, yeah, absolutely. Because, uh, you know, I mean, a lot of us would, if I didn't think there was any consequences of never brushing my teeth, I would, I'd give it up. It's, it's a waste of four minutes a day, but, uh, but I know one, it leads to good dental health. It leads to also probably good uh, hygiene and, uh, it certainly makes for being a better kisser. Right. Right, So, uh, um, nobody wants to be around someone with bad breath, but so what are the habits of entrepreneurs and, you know, Something that you'll see on my bookshelf, uh, the book Scaling Up by Vern Harnish, a shout out to Vern. He always says that that leaders are learners. And I think it's a great expression. And I think what he's saying is that people who want to lead are in the front of learning, which means that they devour books, uh, podcasts, uh, audio, video, however they take in their learning, peer learning, um, coaching, we need to be always sharpening our saw and learning and figuring how we can do what we do better. So where are examples of this? So like arguably I've been selling stuff, services mostly my entire life. Could I improve as a salesperson? Absolutely. Have I taken training in sales? Absolutely. I always believe that I could always be getting better in selling. Marketing. I'm a student of marketing. I think I'm a pretty good marketer. I think I've got some good intuition. Always can study and get better at marketing. Strategy. I think that strategy is kind of combining sales and marketing into a bigger picture and understanding a lot of things like who is your customer? um, How do you position yourself? What's the big goals that you have that's going to get you somewhere? 
you know, could we be doing better at that? Yes. Can we em enhance all those things by learning? Absolutely. I mean, we can. I can keep going. Yeah, Product right. knowledge, industry knowledge, you know, people knowledge. I mean, it just become a student of some of these different behavioral uh, instruments and assessments. Um, engage and connect with people more. Um, to work on your relationships. Figure out how to um, inspire people. Figure out how to motivate people and move people and be an influencer. How to be a thought leader. How to be more of a visionary. All of these things we can continuously learn. And so I, I'll get back down to like leaders are learners. Very nice. Eden, you, 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 you took the words right out of my mouth, putting it on the screen in front of me. And she's saying, learn, unlearn, relearn. I think that we should never accept that what we know is always right. As I said earlier, it's what you mm -hmm. learn after you know it all that really counts. It's being open and being receptive. Um, and sometimes, you know, also being decisive is really important. That's something that I've had to learn and, and have struggled with, arguably, is making decisions. I didn't want to make the wrong decisions. I wanted to make always the right decisions. And so sometimes that means that you're, you know, ready, 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 aim, fire. But sometimes you have to have the mindset of like fire, ready, aim. Just go for it. And then, you know, hey, I made a mistake. Um, let's course correct here. You know, so the willingness to say I've made a mistake um, or I don't think that that was the right choice. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, I think I could just keep going on and on and on. I, but I love everything you're sharing. Yeah. That's great feedback. <laughs> That's wonderful. And it, it reminds me a lot. I'm a I'm a big Brene Brown fan and it reminds me a lot of what she talks about and how, you know, her research has shown that humility is really one of the key success traits of of leaders and yeah. just idea that you know to really be the kind of leader it takes me back actually to her very first book which was the gifts of imperfection because it's kind of like that idea that the perfectionism that a lot of us have grown up learning doesn't really serve us and really gets in the way sometimes of our greatness and as a leader, if we can you know, let that go and kind of make that transition to being humble and more vulnerable, then it opens us up for new possibilities. And so let's just tie this back to the disruptive successors for just a moment, mm -hmm. which is that the baby boomer, the, the older generation leader had a very different leadership style than mm -hmm. today's more younger millennial generation. They might've been more autocratic, more command and control, you know, because that's what's important. And leadership was mostly understood in the military concept context and was only brought into business after, I think probably, you know, modeled after the military. But today's leader, probably speaking to Brene Brown's uh, uh, attributes are they're authentic, they're transparent, they are humble, um, they're receptive, uh, they're emp uh, empathic or empathetic. Um, these are attributes that are so important to get buy-in. You know, when I first started coaching, someone uh, uh, taught me that nobody, 
that nobody cares as much how much you know until they know how much you care. And that's so true. Mm-hmm. And it's as true now as it's ever been. It's like empathy is a huge leadership characteristic. And I think many of these things were talked about in uh, Jim Collins's book on, you know, the five, the level five leader is someone who embraced these different characteristics. So yeah, mm-hmm. things have changed. And yeah. if you, you know, again, if you haven't changed or the leadership style of your business hasn't changed, well, you're not going to be a very attractive company and you're not going to be getting the type of person who wants to work for you. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, and I love it. Eden says, right, ready, <laughs> fire, ready, aim. And then yeah. learn it so, so you can yeah. grow. Yeah. 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 Because uh, you can't, you know, being a perfectionist, um, being too slow to make decisions, like firing too slowly when you've got someone who's uh, toxic and maybe destroying the culture. These are things that are going to hold your growth back. And these are things that I see in family businesses that are real problems because family businesses are more loyal to their employees. They keep them longer. To a fault, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to coach someone up or coach them out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it may be that, like, hey, it's it's a new type of business. It's a new generation of leadership. It's a new type of person we need here. And you might not be the right fit anymore. Let's help you find a place that's a better fit for you. You know, mm-hmm. maybe it's a company in the same industry. Maybe it's our competitor. But, you know, it's not like the and that's the really compassionate thing to do is mm-hmm. to help someone because it 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 comes back it it, it pays you back mm-hmm. in in dividends yeah it's so interesting because so i'm a baby boomer and Me too. and so and you and i know you know that we came from more of that um fear you know carrot and stick type of mentality and then, you know, I owned health clubs for a lot of years. And and so I came from the soft side of the whole health club side of the business and wanting to just be, you know, this is my family. And my husband came more from the, you know, hardcore sales. Our focus is on selling and, you know, this way. And so I learned a lot during that period. But now here we are in this time and we're dealing so much with the millennials. I even have millennials. I have a winter crop and a summer crop of kids. So my, my summer crop are millennials and they're very tied into the feelings of what's going on with the whole political system and the more of that ooey gooey, you know, lovey feeling and they want everything to be of peace and stuff like that. How do we train people like, you know, me, for example, who comes from that baby boomer side to be able to build a team where I can really touch those millennials. So, so one of the tools that will be, that's downloadable on my website Mm -hmm. is a one-on-one like tool for managers. Mm -hmm. And it's a conversation piece. And uh, I think it's so important ultimately the answer is is about listening talking and listening Mm -hmm. and understanding you know it's it's better leaders are leaders understand first and that's more important than to be understood 
Um, you are, have to you have to be understood, but first you have to understand. It's back to that you know caring and knowing uh, statement I made earlier. Mm -hmm. So you can download this tool from my website, anyone, right. and start to use this tool for having conversations with people. Mm -hmm. It asks simple questions like, so what's keeping you up at night? So you know what are your top priorities? So how are you managing your people? Like, you know, who's who's a like an A player and who's not, and who you know who are you being challenged by? And I think by just having these conversations, Sherry, you can start to really understand what these millennials need. And then once you've listened to your constituents, then you can speak, you know, from a platform, a soapbox, or whatever, and say, or a Zoom box, and say, you know, hey, I've I've heard what you guys need, you know, and I understand, you know, you guys want health benefits, you want flexible working hours, you want a voice that's heard in setting the priorities and direction for where we're going with, you know, the company. Um, or if you're a coach client, you don't want me just to tell you what you should do. You want to be able to com to say, this is what I feel like I want to do, or I'm going to commit to doing. Um, so... I think listening is a skill that's mm -hmm. greatly underrated. So true. Well, and I think that's a really valuable point. My, you know, I started out in the corporate world and of course in the corporate world, no one listens to you at all. <laughs> and so when, you know, I transitioned to working for small businesses, it was kind of interesting because I was like, all of a sudden I was starting to become part of the conversation, which was really a great experience for me because as time went on, I decided, you know what, I think I can kind of do this for myself because I realized, you know, really a lot of what you're doing is just what you're saying. It's just having those kinds of conversations within the business about how do we grow this business? You know, what what is the bottom line? What do we need to do and how do we get there? And does it not help the business to engage the employees? I mean, that's always just kind of been my sense. like. The more you can engage someone, the more involved they're going to feel. Yep. So uh, there's a video on my website, and it's uh, it's really about like what can coaching do for you. But I started off with some staggering statistics about what employee engagement does in terms of results, um, in terms of shareholder return, and I can't recall off the top of my head who. Uh, did the study, but the return on investment from having a higher employee engagement, it was probably Gallup actually, because they're big on the employee engagement polling, um, is phenomenal. And so you can get so much more uh, profit and um, in, you know results from your folks if they're engaged. And so I would say, Pam, that you didn't work for the right corporations, and there probably weren't a lot of them to choose from. But, you know, take a company like 3M, which is about innovative, right? Innovation. They solve problems that have been unsolved for which people don't even realize there's a problem. I mean, mm -hmm. like, did anyone ever think that they needed a post-it note before right. it, it arrived on the scene? And then could you do without one now? Like I've always got it right here. It's, you know, really useful. And so they encourage their employees. They actually require their employees to spend maybe up to 30% of their working hours. Uh, so that's 
you know, in a 40 hour work week, that's 12 hours a week dedicated to just doing innovative stuff, looking for solutions. So I think also, um, I've never worked inside of a big company really, except once, but I think the Googles and the Facebooks and the Netflix and the Amazons, I think maybe less to, so Amazon, but I think these companies are like, hey, you guys are, you guys need to come up with new stuff. Like, what are our customers asking for? And, you know, by listening to the customers, because isn't it great when your customers innovate like a product or service? I mean, uh, I know that I approached a marketing agency about the release of my book and they had previously published the, the, the founder of the firm had previously published her book through that same publishing house. And now I think as a result of the work that we've done together, the website that they built the drip sequences, the funnel stuff, the campaigns they built. She was reaching out to me today and saying, hey, I'd like to talk to the publisher. Who do you think I should talk to? Because I think we should be able to do this for all of their authors mm -hmm. and offer it as, a, as an as an upsell. I mean, so isn't it great when our customers give us that kind of feedback? Mm -hmm. So it's great if you can work for a company where they're saying, hey, dedicate some time to work on stuff that you think is important, that will be valuable to our customers. Listen to our customers, give us that feedback. Let's talk about what's bubbling up most frequently that we should maybe work on and improve upon. You know, those are the right companies we wanna work with because we don't wanna stay small. We don't wanna just be small businesses. We wanna grow up and be corporations too maybe. Mm -hmm. And we have to embrace that same level of, um, you know, customer employee friendly kind of uh environment because engagement is where it's at mm -hmm. i think on a lot of levels too as a company you eventually are required to do that anyway because even in the health club business eventually we were forced to one put a box in that you know people could go and put little messages in the box about all the things that they wanted to see changed or they weren't happy with or what have you and then the same thing with our employees you know and once we started to implement you know those changes of course the the culture and the environment and the whole place changes i mean when people aren't happy you can feel the vibe it sucks yeah. Big time. Exactly. So, yeah, I can I can relate to that. I, I can't imagine, you know, exactly what it's like to run a health club mm -hmm. um, in terms of what would you expect from the trainers? Do you want them all to be teaching the same sort of like program? And maybe at a certain type of club, you'd want that uh, program. But I know as a longtime yoga practitioner, um, every yoga teacher's got a kind of a different like approach a different vibe you know they're all doing those you know whatever those sun salutations with 180 different moves but everyone's doing a little different some are doing it with music you know one of my teachers she teaches to like hip-hop or or pink floyd or whatever music moves her other people are you know it's more of a still it's a, a slow flow so I think that's part of what creates the personality of the studio, but, but it has to be contained within a, you know, like this is what our brand is about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, and so much of that too 
you know, I think a lot of it is individuality and really, I mean, especially when you're working with the customer, you're getting down to the uniqueness of the individual and you're identifying with what works for them, what doesn't, what they like, what they don't like. And you're implementing a structure that is more um, cohesive in relationship to what is going to keep them uh, developing that habit of lifelong health and wellness in this case. 100%. And it's important for you as an owner to have your trainers come and periodically give you feedback and saying, hey, this is what people are asking for. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever. They want a Pilates reformer in here yeah. or they want to do mat Pilates or, you know what, they're really saying we need more yoga classes or we need, you know, or we need to upgrade the weight system. You know, we need <laughs> or we need whatever. I mean, you know, listen to our customers yeah. And listen to our employees because they, they, they have a lot to say, and their voices need to matter. Yeah. And only when they do matter, you know, again, will, will what we do matter to them? Yeah. Well, and you gave some great examples of companies that are are starting to do that, and and I know more and more companies are, and I think that's really, it kind of gives it lends um, credibility, <laughs> you know, to this idea that it really does matter. And so coming into kind of this new era that we're in maybe helps with that transition a little bit. Well, look, I, you know, and I think you're going to see the fall of some really big companies that don't do this. So personally, I think that the halo effect over uh, Uber because of Travis uh, Kalanick's sort of approach to uh, leading uh, the the company, I mean, I think it's left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouth. I, I know personally, I use other uh, ride sharing services and use Uber as like a last resort. And it's, you know, I don't even really pay that close attention to what he did, but there was such a halo effect around it. And he's now gone how many years? I mean, but there's a lot of uh, cleanup that has to be done. And, you know, in California, we've had this big proposition that goes to the ballot tomorrow, uh, Prop 22, around independent contractors and Uber and Lyft. They've been funding this whole campaign. Most of the propositions are quite confusing in the state of California. And they're oftentimes, like a lot of other laws, they're not that well written. But, you know, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens. But I think you'll see other companies when they make missteps like that, they, you know, people don't want to be a part of them anymore. So, yeah, yeah. Well, it kind of goes down to cause and effect. I mean, eventually there's going to be an effect, especially when that cause, you know, isn't serving people in a lot of ways and people just get tired of it, you know? Yep. And, you know, again, to go back to also you have to stay current with your products and you have to do the strategic thinking work. I mean, where's Eastman Kodak? Mm, Where's Polaroid? Where's Blockbuster video when it had an opportunity to buy Netflix for $15 million? Um, You know, there's a lot of stories of companies that were great and didn't survive, didn't make it because they weren't paying attention outside the business as much as they should have. Yeah. Wow. Well, it's just been a phenomenal show and it's already, we're already at that time. And we'd like you to share with our audience. You have two websites here 
um, go ahead and tell our audience and for our podcast how they can reach you. And, sure. Uh, Sure. So you can reach me through either of these websites. One is my book website, and that's disruptivesuccessor.com. Uh, the other is the Gold Hill Group, which is my coaching website. And you can email me, J-O-N, at thegoldhillgroup.com, or you can connect with me on LinkedIn at thegoldhillgroup.com. Uh, you know, so you can find me there. Um, check out my book on Amazon. Uh, those are the places that I'm most frequently at. I'm, I'm on Facebook a little bit, Twitter a little bit, but the best place is either LinkedIn or email or through my websites. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, thank, thank you. you so much. And Pam, go ahead and share, share with our audience how they can reach us. Of course, you can reach us on the web at thehighvibenation.com, also on Facebook at The High Vibe Nation and Instagram at The High Vibe Nation. Wonderful. And we want to thank you for joining us as always here on the High Vibe Nation. Thank you all of our audience members for your support. Thank you for sharing this out on also all of your social media platforms. You can also go review us on YouTube. We are on Mondays and Wednesday evenings at five o'clock p.m. Mountain Standard Time. We look forward each and every week to you joining us with our new uh, guest weekly. So thank you very much as always. Until next week, have an amazing rest of the week. Thank you so much. Good night, everyone. From everybody here at the High Vibe Nation, we want to say thank you for choosing to raise your vibration. And of course, please like, share, and subscribe. If you need to find us on the web, check us out at www.thehighvibenation.com. Looking forward to seeing you on the next episode, and keep high vibing.